Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of UTHDynasty.com, home to over 300 podcasts on the premium side annually, in addition to this weekly show with Katie. Uh, you can hear tons of in-depth content where we go over things in the UTH Academy about strategy as well as player spotlights. And again, the previous four to five months, uh, if you have not signed up uh, for UTH, uh, rookie draft season, NFL draft season is really where we make the building blocks uh, for that pipeline as we talk about it, as well as your own personal farm system of future talent to be in your lineups, trading assets, etc. to really set the tone to make uh, the, the season, the fantasy season ahead. Uh, a lot easier on yourself, you know, when you build that quality depth, when you acquire uh, blue chip players, um, you know, even if it's one per year, you're adding to your uh, to your pocket there, it makes life during the season a lot easier to manage as a dynasty owner. And uh, Katie wanted to start a series this week, but uh, I'll get to that in a minute or two. Have a few odds and ends to clean up here. Um, one of uh, one or two of these questions are going to be of the shorter variety, so we can just like check these off our list. Katie, the first one is: Would you pick up Colin Kaepernick in a deep-ish superflex league? Absolutely. He's he's probably pretty free or close to free on waivers, and if somebody wants to outbid you, so be it. You're at least price enforcing. And what do you think about the people that still have Andrew Luck rostered in Superflex Leagues? Is that a worthy gamble, depending on roster size? And at some point, you kind of have to give that up close to the season, right? At some point, you're going to have to give it up. But if you've held them this long, what's the harm in holding him unless you've got to drop him for a rookie? But um, if your roster's deep enough, look at what Gronk, nobody thought he was coming back. I dropped Gronk like a week before he came back in one of my leagues. It, wow. yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. So you never know. And if you've got the room, why not? Yeah. And, and you know what? Gronkowski, as well as a few other notable others, I know uh, Hayden Hurst is, is, is a potential one, but you see these. some of these are rookie-only drafts. I actually have a few that are specifically, you cannot draft a veteran um, in your annual draft that's in you know May or June or whatever. And I, I really like the twist. We've, we've talked before about rookies and devies combined into an annual draft and not separating it and saying these rounds are for rookie, these rounds are for Debbie. You know, and it kind of makes the trading market a little more specific, you know, and sectioned off um, in terms of the value of those picks. But I really like it when I've had leagues where, oh, now I have to consider where do I put Rob Gronkowski within the rookie class or where do I put Hayden Hurst and specific to a certain type of tight end format within a rookie class. I actually like those questions from subscribers. I like those strategic value points you actually have to put on players that if you keep the, the waiver wire closed between December and, you know, or when, week 16 and your, your rookie draft.
draft. I actually, number one, like that. Um, I think it adds more to the annual draft, more intrigue, more trading possibilities. And I, I really like the fact that when you open it up and say, this is almost an extension of the waiver wire that will proceed after the rookie draft because you have those veteran hangovers from the previous year, Gronkowski situations, and now those are actual decisions and valuations you have to make for your draft. Oh, absolutely. I have not seen him go super early, but I think 207, 208 in a tight end premium format was the earliest I've seen him go. But typically in a start one tight end, if you're a contender and you can grab him in round three, round four, that's an easy, you got to do it. Yeah, I saw that sometimes like in FFPC or, you know, 1.5, something like that. Second round feels about right for a Hayden Hurst or Gronkowski type where you could see them as a plug and play. And in that zone, you typically don't find plug and plays. So depending on the roster size, it could be a, a nice move for you. But like you said, when they slide to the late second or early third this year, particularly, um, that was a pretty good move. Yeah. Um, one, one guy I saw on Twitter that, uh, you know, see a few videos. I'm not, you know, scouting. Nothing like that. But a player that's been out of sight, out of mind, that was a second-round pick, if memory serves, last year, was Jalen Hurd. You know, the jack-of-all-trades. What position is he going to play? He goes to Shanahan. And he had an injury, so we really didn't see him last year. On his way back, they've got some new pieces there with Brandon Ayuk, uh, notably there. We don't have Emmanuel Sanders um, from last year, the end of last year's addition for that team. So Jalen Hurd... Kind of rewinding the tape, where were you uh, 12, 18 months ago as a prospect and then a year on the shelf and now coming back into the mix, where do you kind of see him fitting? If you like Antonio Gibson, there's no reason why you shouldn't like Jalen Hurd. He's the same type of guy. He's big. He's strong. He played running back. He's got good hands. He played wide receiver. He can play tight end. He's a moving chess piece and Shanahan has a creative imagination, a healthy Jalen Hurd, I think, could gain some steam. I don't know how long it will take him because we didn't get to see him much and he did have that injury, but he's worth a, a dice roll, a dart throw, you know, a later a later pick, and most of the time you're going to get him third, fourth round valuation, I would think. He's he's not going to cost that much, and, and you could probably pry him off somebody who's already got him if they've been holding him. Yeah, I was looking here at sort of where the consensus out in the market is and where am I, and I'm a little above neutral. So, you know, I'm slightly bullish if I were to put one of those stock categorizations on it or something. It just kind of strikes me. As you were talking, I was kind of going through the Rolodex of how many players they've had even over the last year or two where you say there's these little pockets you know whether it's part of a game whether it's one game whether it's a three game stint that you just I wonder are they going to have and I know it's not really the way they operate of having okay here's something predictable you know like are we going to get to the point where it's Adebo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk or uh, other than George Kittle and maybe this is a talent thing maybe you say hey if you are a blue chip talent at your position the ball finds you so maybe that's the situation of they have a lot of good players and maybe Kittle is the only great player, you know, relation to his position. And maybe that's why they have a bunch of committees and maybe that's why there'll be better best ball plays than predictability for head-to-head lineups. But I was just kind of thinking of, you know, even if you get a, where, even if you get a 2 to 3 week window where right. it's clear that you can use them, that's worth it. 
Right. And we were kind of getting that. I was thinking at the running back position, right? With, yeah. with Raheem Mostert, we kind of got indicators that it was moving that direction. you know. And it was like, oh, well, it's these two running backs for now. And then so-and-so is coming back from injury or we lost you know, someone from injury. And then we, you know, it seemed like we had some predictability, but then things change. Um, but, but yeah, it, that, it seems very much like a roll with the tide type of offense of you just can't plan on. Like some people are out there saying Raheem Mostert is going to be the most underrated league winner running back for 2020 and then other people are like oh he's a fugazi you know you're wasting your time you're paying way too much you know and some people i know jordan is very much on the like look at the prices give me tevin coleman because he's going so much later so much cheaper just give me a poker and then some people are like jerick mckinnon he's gonna be back he's gonna be healthy like it seems like it's one of those where hey you might want to just well who's gonna be on the waiver whoever's the cheapest man that's the one who's gonna be the cheapest if someone comes out on, on the league on fire I mean, none of these guys have resumes where it's like, oh, yeah, 250, 300 touches. I feel good about that. They're going to be healthy for, for 14 games of 1A workload. Like, it's almost like just bide your time. A, a guy or two is going to get dropped. Pick that guy up, you know, midseason because there's going to be upside there and, and, and leverage that like we've seen in the past uh, with some of these depth charts. Well, let me remind people that may not have followed Jalen Hurd through his college career. Before he was at Baylor, he was at Tennessee, and he's the reason Alvin Alvin Kamara did not see the field. So we know that he's got talent, and he didn't agree with the coaching staff and ended up transferring and went to Baylor and then transferred instead of being a running back as a wide receiver and kind of a wide receiver slash tight end kind of guy. But the kid's got tools, and he's got good size, and I wouldn't fade him. I mean, if he's cheap, I'd pick him up. Now, the one negative, you said you said if you like Antonio Gibson, you should like Jalen Hurd. The one caveat I'll put to that, Jalen Hurd, designation, wide receiver. Antonio Gibson, yes. and this is something we didn't know for three months, right. designation. In MFL, in MFL, correct. And so, yes, you're, you're going to be stacking Jalen Hurd, but as a flex spot or if he gets hot, and has that three to four week window of hot with the creative use of the Shanahan mind. I mean, he'd be a good flip candidate for something more stable that maybe you've got a CD lamb that starts off slow because he's in Dallas and he's a rookie and he's a wide receiver. I mean, maybe the value of herd can go up more than some of these first-round rookies that you could potentially get a lot closer to and flip them for something more stable. Yeah, um, and w- that's my some of my favorite parts of, of the calendar is when you get things changing, whether that's training camp, preseason, into the season, where we always say – uh, it's always nice, you know, to sort of have these stable points. And heck, we, we've had far too many stable points so far in the calendar with no rookie camps and, and, and OTAs and things like that. Um, so that we've really only had a couple different points. And usually we have a lot more of changing player value in the offseason. But I love how in the regular season, basically it's it's open fair. Entire, every single week is its own little micro economy because you get – uh, changing injuries, changing situation, uh, and what just happened in season. So that's my favorite thing about the season because every week you can go in there Monday through you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it's its own, okay, now who am I looking to buy or sell this week because it's changing? What just happened? Did somebody get hurt? 
you know, and, and who had a big game that I could maybe get 10, 20% more value than I could a week ago. And it's really hard. I think you that that's really when it pays to have your own, your trusted resources by your side because everything's going to be trailing. If you're waiting for the market to tell you something, kickoff for the next week's going to happen and all of a sudden that opportunity's gone. Like we always talk about, you know, oh, buy this guy because guess what? The opportunity is changing and here's what's happening and it can be more difficult to acquire them every single week. That's my favorite part of the regular season is just that identifying what players you're in and out on and, you know, the changing, trying to expect what's going to happen going forward. Um, another question I had here, uh, they said, I would love to hear you and the crew, so that is Katie and I in this instance, uh, talk about overexposure to a single team. How many players or positions from one team is too many? He didn't mention, I, or I didn't save it, what what specific team he may have a an addiction problem right. uh, with, Katie. But I, we've touched on this two or three times over the years. But what are your thoughts in terms of, is it specific to best ball versus head-to-head uh, -head formats? Uh, is depth of league a factor? And obviously, it comes down to level of player. Right. So my opinion on this, and I don't know that I've ever weighed in on this. You may have had conversation with other people through the years. But my opinion is, depending on the depth of your roster, because it's a bye week thing, if you've got six guys all on the same team, they're going to be on bye at the same time. Is that your one week that you just flush down the toilet and you're good with that? Or do you have a depth enough to where you can put other guys in and you feel pretty comfortable with enough depth to get through that bye week? If you don't care about the week, to me, talent is talent. Fantasy points are fantasy points. And if the best players are all on one team and it's a great offense and you can kind of do the stack type thing, I have no problem with that, but it does, to me, it matters, are you going to have such a big hole in your lineup on any, that bye week, or do you just punt that one week and then you're good to go the rest of the time? Yeah, so I have I have a little bit of thought on that in terms of the, you know, the, the how many players do you have on bye, is it, is it stacked in a certain direction, and obviously we find out the NFL schedule and it's not like we're going to make dynasty decisions based on bye weeks right but you um, know if, if you got six yeah, guys yeah, on the same yeah, team well, you that was know my point. right yeah. you know they're exactly gonna be you, on the same well, you, you can get screwed by bye weeks whether you have them on the same t nfl team or not right. it can stack yeah. the wrong direction yeah. on you and i personally katie and and if you have an opinion on this uh let me know because i personally would rather and i i think the numbers come out pretty similarly either way but i would rather be closer to 100 percent of my optimal lineup that i'm sending out there more weeks Weeks, as opposed to what's annoying sometimes is if you have four or five key players and you're missing one of like you get to the midseason, you know, right? There's like sort of three pockets of the of the fantasy season. You got the beginning where no one's on by, but you're still trying to figure things out. Right. You know, like who what teams are good, what what kind of trends on usage and the players this year. You're still trying to figure that out and try to make through for the first four or five weeks to be five hundred, above five hundred, something like that. Then you get to bye weeks. And it seems like for four, five, six, seven weeks in a row, you never really have your full lineup. You know, it's it's a that's a frustrating thing because you're like, all right, I feel good, but now my best quarterback's out. All right, now I feel good, but my running back one is out. Now I feel good, but my best receiver's out. And it seems like you have this string. So I personally would rather just know that I'm operating, unless I play the worst team in the league, I'm just going to lose this week. 
I, I'm pretty much, I have most of my team out or most of my key starters. And then, uh, not that I'm, again, not trying to get all the team, all the players, all my key players from the same NFL team. But I would rather have that setting than be missing one guy every single week because it feels like that could be the difference of, man, I, 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 I was close. I'd missed that key starter. And now I, I lost two out of three when really I could just lose one game, you know, know I'm going to lose it and let's kind of move forward and, and I'll be at a higher strength for, for most of the other weeks. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing about having good players from the same team, if that just so happens to be best player available, if one of them gets injured and goes on your IR, that boosts the stock of some of the other ones that you've already got. And Or reduces. If or, it was like Dak Prescott plus Amari Cooper plus, yeah. Yeah, potentially, right. But for the most part, it kind of handcuffs. It gives you that kind of handcuff. And then the final question that I just thought of in relation to this is, um, do you have this impact? Let's say you're 10 rounds into a dynasty startup draft, or let's say your annual rookie draft, and you already have, you're already kind of in this, I wonder if I have too many players from a single team. Do you let that impact your decisions from that point forward of a startup or from those annual rookie drafts going forward where, man, I got five Vikings or I got, you know, five 49er players and here's another 49er player sitting that I don't know if I should take them based on me having a lot of them already. To me, I don't judge the shirt that they're wearing. To me, it's the talent. So if, if I think that there's a steal at a certain position, it doesn't matter to me if I've already got four of the other guys that are on that same team. But if there's a tiebreaker, if both guys I consider completely equal, then yeah, I may just fade that just to kind of, you know, mitigate any any potential risk if if they're if they're equal or if there's several players that I consider equal. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you and I think a lot of people do a little too much uh, little too much focus on situation. Yeah. And I think situation situa- is pretty darn appointment. Yeah. It's pretty darn important in redraft. It's but not in dynasty. I, you can't sit here and build a redraft team. Right. Because you're, then every single offseason, you're going to be trying to fix your 2019 redraft team to fit into your 2020 redraft team mold in a dynasty league. And you're going to constantly be losing value by trying to make those adjustments because you made a bet based on situation of last season, and now it's different this season. Here's so a, that's a that's a trap people fall right. into. Right. Here's an example, completely different from the discussion, but along the same path as far as making a decision based on what you need right now. When I saw something on Twitter, I don't even remember who it was, when Jacoby Bursett became the starter for Indianapolis – the guy traded him for a 2020 first because the team needed quarterbacks. And now Jacoby Brissett is not the starter and that 2020 first turned into Jonathan Taylor. That's right. like worst case scenario, but it's still, it can happen. And you don't think that it can happen, but it can happen. And I'm pretty bullish about s- s- trading future firsts unless it's a dynasty type move and Jacoby Brissett in Superflex I'm sorry was never move. really a dynasty move <laughs> right. it was a fill in the blank move for now um, just 
it just it happens sometimes and it makes you sick to your stomach if you do something like that but but right and, and it, until you do it honestly like we can say it over and right. over again yeah. things like this but when you do it and you get that sick feeling and you have to kind of look at it you know whether you keep your own trading database you just remember it uh, you look in the the transactions for the league or you just sit there and look and know for 12 12 plus months that you don't have x pick and then you got Jacoby Brissett on your roster or whoever it was that that this is why I don't have it and until that really happens to you, it can be a situation that you don't really learn that lesson until you get your boots on yeah, the ground. Yeah, it's like you can tell a three-year-old, don't touch it, it's hot, don't touch it, it's hot. But until they touch until it they and get burned, hand. until they yeah. touch it and get burned, right, then that's yep. when they you learn. Know. Oh, my God. I had that exact situation. We were camping. It was like, don't touch the uh, no. It was don't touch the uh, lantern. Okay. Don't touch the lantern. It's hot. Don't touch the lantern. It's hot. And what did I do? You know, two seconds later, my dad always tells the story. You know, they just hear, ah, you know, like, because I touched the lantern and yeah. it was hot. Yeah. And guess what? I had to, I, I laid in my bunk or whatever when we were that whole weekend and I had to have ice on my hand and, or my finger or whatever it was. And basically every, what was it? Hour, whenever the ice would go away, you know, in the paper towel or whatever, or towel you know, isn't cold anymore. I'd wake up and I'd be crying, you know, and I get a new piece of ice, but it was just like, you know, you learn that lesson of, Oh yes, stuff's hot. That's how life works. <laughs> stuff, stuff you need to be protected from. And, and dynasty trades are the same way. I mean, yeah. I, I, I would say this and, and you say this annually, Katie, and it's something that I, I've told more people in the last six weeks, let's say, than I have at any other six week or two month period of, of you know giving dynasty advice and that is people looking at their lineups and trying to make giving future assets giving potential core things where uh, the, what we always say is hey how about you actually see how your team is doing get to week three get to week five get into the season a little bit before you assume you have a weakness like I, I think someone's team they were looking at it, they're like ah I'm weak at wide receiver I'm looking to make this move and uh, you know and, and I'm saying like that trade's not going away, you know? I mean, it's a veteran player. You're giving a future first or whatever the construction type is where you say, hey, I know right now you're looking at, hey, Will Fuller is your wide receiver two or three or whatever it is. But guess what? He might be great. How about you let this play out? You know, if he if he goes on the shelf and he's gone for two months and you're still competitive though and you feel like you need something, address it then, kind of make decisions then in a dynasty spectrum but you're assuming things or assuming you'll be weak and it's june like you also have some developing younger players like give them a chance to because whatever we're projecting in june isn't what happens it, it would be a really boring season if if a lot of the, if everything we thought was correct going into september etc yeah now i will i will one caveat to that is now is the time over the next two to three months but especially now to buy cheap bridge players and I like for example in one of my teams where I should be okay at wide receiver but I'm good everywhere else I traded a future third for Deshaun Jackson we said cheap Katie that is cheap qualifier yeah Yeah, exactly and so that is the qualifier so right now I am speculating Deshaun Jackson will be a starter and a third round pick is a decent cheap enough price for me to collect a few of those types of players that I project as a starter and if they don't pan out 
what are the odds that the third round pick is going to pan out? Like, I'm just bolstering my depth in in and doing so with the waiver wire. But also, like I said, bridge players are right now the time. You wait until August, September for Super Bridge, but right now is the time for bridge players. They're the cheap ones, inexpensive, speculative picks, guys that you think will be a starter on their team and possibly have a decent role for at least a majority of the season unless they're injured. Nobody can predict that. Yeah, um, I actually think the, the best time, and I found a lot of deals, whether it was A.J. Green or Adam Thielen, some of these older types, especially at wide receivers, during the rookie draft. You know, yeah. if you're willing to move down a little bit um, or willing to trade a pick, that was the, the best leverage you can have. And eventually, you know, as we go along, you know, get to July, August, and September, I mean, those veteran values come back up because that's when people are thinking about points. They aren't sh- thinking as much about the shiny objects. So you almost have to ride that wave of, what assets are valuable at what times? That's the same thing as trying to trying to buy rookie picks during the rookie draft. Now, the positive is you know exactly wh- what pick you're buying and for what purpose and what type of player. You know, if you're trading to 101 in in February or December, you may not have a scope of what what who you're getting. But you know, when you trade and they're on the clock, you know exactly who you are trying to buy. So that that is a plus, but it also means you're going to pay more in terms of having that predictability and buying at the wrong or the hottest point of the calendar. And buying a veteran in September or October is pretty much the hottest point. Yeah. You can buy them, but obviously you have the known factor of your own team of saying, I'm buying them because I'm contending. I'm buying them because I feel like it bolsters my team. And, you know, the reverse comes from from rookies, right? The slow start rookie, September, October, it's probably your best chance, you know, if they're not performing, where all of a sudden they're not going to cost a high first because, you know, they're not producing and now they're just kind of sitting on your bench. Yep. Got to know that calendar. Yeah. Um, so, Katie, the, the, the series I wanted to cover, so we'll do, you know, five, ten minutes on this uh, each week over the next month. Hopefully it gets us to, you know, in a month's time, a little more NFL activities in the uh, traditional fashion once we get there. Um, I kind of wanted to ask you some some random questions um, looking at uh, my dynasty rankings of just where are we? So the quarterback position this week, that there's a pretty wide opinion on who is in what camp of behind Patrick Mahomes, who's the QB2? There's arguments for uh, Lamar Jackson, of course, uh, Dak Prescott, maybe even Deshaun Jackson or Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. If you were stacking up the board, let's say, Katie, I'm sitting at 102 in the Superflex draft. Patrick Mahomes goes first. I am taking a quarterback. You cannot talk me out of this, Katie, um, no matter what. I'm not trading the pick. I'm building off a cornerstone quarterback. Who do you feel best about? I think at this point it would be Dak Prescott. He's got the most talent around him. He's got some uh, owners with deep pockets, and I know the salary cap is the same for everybody. But I think – I think uh, for his tools, I trust him more than Lamar Jackson. I know most people would say Lamar Jackson is number two. Some people, heck, are even saying Lamar Jackson over Patrick Mahomes, which I think is absolutely balls on nuts, just nuts. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, if I had to pick somebody, and the, the reason I say Dak over Deshaun Watson, I like Deshaun Watson's talent better, but he just lost DeAndre Hopkins. They didn't replace him with, but what, Randall Cobb? They've got Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. Like, uh, that is scary. 
that's just a little scary. And I know the situation the changes. The worst case scenario is pretty scary. Right. Yeah. I know situation changes. We're not talking about a one-year window. We're talking about future. But I would have to take Dak Prescott slightly higher than Deshaun Watson and even Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Dak is pretty loaded, you know, with the allegiance they put on, on the pieces around him. And, and our quibbles, you know, we, we try to create quibbles of, well, Amari Cooper hasn't put up that monster season yet. Or, oh, C.D. Lamb's just a rookie. Oh, look at the tight end. You know, they have a lot of question marks there. I mean, these are, you know, you're kind of creating something out of nothing uh, to a large right. degree. So, so yeah, um, I, I have Dak Prescott there. And I, I think there's arguments, like you said, for Deshaun Watson and um, – Kyler Murray, I'm telling you, I, I like what I've seen more than I, th- I saw from Baker Mayfield in year one, but there's some similarities there of please don't get over your skis yeah. uh, with a Kyler Murray situation. It's it's very risky to project these quarters. Now, again, he may be great. He may have a dynamo season, but historically, this is a very risky bet to put them there any before of they those, actually do it. Any of those. That's the reason why I chose Dak over Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray is he's done it for four years yeah. like he he is established once you get to that point where you're going to get that second contract that's a big thing for quarterbacks and a lot of guys don't make it like everybody was all over Carson Wentz and Jared Goff Carson Wentz and Jared Goff and they're both good but are they top five like right. like what do you expect tough, out of them tough to get in there right and yeah. so Joe Burrow like everybody's crazy taking him in rookie drafts as early as they are over the running backs it it, every year is a little bit different even Mitch Trubisky could have a resurrection you know if they give him a chance and if they go back to letting him run a little bit more than then they kind of like I don't know he's he's not as creative and I'm not putting him in that ilk but I'm just saying there are quarterbacks that could still have a surge I think Baker Mayfield could resurge um but that's up to him and the team and the coaching and everything around him. And um, what, in terms of the 2020 rookie drafts, um, what would you say in terms of your ownership of Joe Burrow and and Tua Tagovailoa specifically? Did you end up with as much as you thought, maybe back in January, February, less than you thought, not very much, you know, considered. Uh, compared to the market, both of them were, you pretty much had to spend top five, top six rookie picks and Burrow, obviously 101, 102 type prices and super flex. So maybe this is a super flex and you ended up with more of them in start one. I don't know. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't get either one of them in a super flex. I didn't get either one of them. Wow. And, and what was interesting though, is you were very much team Tua. Oh, I, I am. remember but, you, but you liked the player, but I it do. was the price. Right. It was the price because I like those running backs better. And people so were. Did Tua never fall outside those five running backs? He didn't. In any super flex? He didn't. You saw okay. Yeah, or not when I did. Not when I had a pick in not that your range. Not your drafts. Yeah. yeah, like I would if I had the 104, 105, and I took Acres, and then Tua maybe slipped to the six, 107, six, 108, but I didn't have the 107, and I'm not going to trade up like at that point when there's so many other talented guys, especially later. Um, I ended up with Herbert more in Superflex than I did uh, Joe Burrow and Tua. But I did get Joe Burrow in a start one in like late round two, and he was a steal. Uh, I don't think I ended up with any shares of Tua. Okay. 
Um, what do you think about just the general people? Uh, I, the theme I've seen for quarterback rankings or evaluations this offseason, and maybe I'm just more sensitive to it than the past couple years, it seems like this is the year that people are putting the unproven and possibles over the, hey, they're 33 to 38, and they've done it a lot. That They're putting that bucket that I just named Behind, So that is that Stafford, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. They're putting those guys behind almost any young quarterback mm-hmm. with a pulse. That happens Katie. every and I year. Just, that happens is it? every so year. I'm just, so I'm just, I'm just, I'm just noticing it. No, more. you're just noticing it more. It happens right, every it's year. It's happening all the and time. And those okay. are the guys that I've always preached have the most value. It seems easy, though, this year. Like, you can literally sit. Like, Jordan and I are sitting in a start one startup, and it's like you can wait till 15 to 18 quarterbacks even. Even if that many get drafted, you can sit and just wait because Drew Brees is probably going to be sitting there for you, and it's like he's going to be, what, top five, top six, top seven? I mean, he's pretty much there every year. It's unbelievable. Okay, so this is just a systemic people chasing the shiny object. the time. Quarterbacks and tight ends, I say it every year, Chad, quarterbacks and tight ends you like them to be a little vintage maybe not jimmy graham vintage but right. you like them to be a little on the vintage side that's where the value enough is. proven enough yes well with quarterbacks especially i mean it's a hard job to learn like wouldn't you like a guy that you feel has almost seen everything been there done that not gonna i mean there are things lamar jackson this year or kyler murray that they're gonna see that they did not see last year. It is going to be almost new for them. And the that's why there's a thing called the sophomore slump. That's like they're, you know, where the breakout and all of a sudden now it's going to be they the, the league and defenses are going to adapt to you. You gave them data this past year. Now they're going to give you some data. And it's going to be, and, and some of them, you know, you get kicked in the teeth, you get kicked in the mouth a little bit, and it's going to be, well, how do you respond? And it, I'm not just talking mentally, emotionally, you know, are you going to survive? Are you going to, you know, just it's going to be the beginning of the end for you. That's not what I'm talking about. But just from the expectations being so, so high, are you going to be able to rebound and all of a sudden find that sustaining? And again, everybody has the down years. I mean, these charts I look at where it's like, you know, all the greatest, they've had down years. It's going to happen. And I think the the wild swings of dynasty value, what happens when you get a Kyler Murray, or Baker Mayfield is a, we already saw it example, or even uh, Blake Bortles, right? He had 35 touchdown passes in his, I don't know, second, third season, something like that. The, the magical year, we'll call it. And he, you know, vaults up all these, he's a top 15 type super flex pick, you know, and expectations of him doing that. And all of a sudden that's his career year. He recedes back and, and you see what happens to his value. And Baker Mayfield that happened last year, the same thing. Expectations, does not achieve them, falls way back. Kyler Murray could be the similar way. Or what happens if Joe Burrow comes out and he's he's quarterback 26 on the year? Which, by the way, is not – it's only like a couple spots off from what the number one overall pick at quarterback typically does fantasy-wise year one. And yet that would be viewed as a, as a massive disappointment with him Jared going – I looked at this. QB7. Joe Burrow is QB7. Yeah, I know. You, I know. That's, that's unbelievable. I know. I know. Oh, okay. I think he's an average Joe in the NFL. <laughs> I do. I, I've said yeah. that before. I've been guest on other podcasts. I've been preaching it, saying it. I, I think as far as an NFL quarterback, he's going to have more value to his team than he will to a fantasy football team. There's absolutely no way I would take 
him over any of the top five running backs and even the top couple of wide receivers in this draft. And yet he's consistently going 101 or 102 every time. Uh, Jameis Winston, 2021 starter? Man, I don't know. I sure (laughs) hope so. I like Jameis Winston. I haven't lost hope. I sure hope so. And just same thing with Cam Newton. I hope that he's got a starting job by 2021. I think for him, a lot of it's health. Yeah, I know. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. I, without without people being ha- being able to do the physicals and, right. and the meds and all that, yeah. uh, I, I think teams are just a little more wary to just, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll sign you and we'll, like the Todd Gurley, right? Yeah. I think it's, well, David a lot Johnson of these other did pass his physical. They, they, it's not fully official until they get the physical. And I think, and Cam Newton, let's face it, right? He hasn't been, he had that one great Super Bowl year of, of being a, a dynamic passer. Other than that, he's been very pedestrian in that capacity. Yeah. So, um, Derek Carr, you think he's going to be, sans, sans injury, is he going to be the starter all, all year for the Raiders? Yes. Okay. And, so, and that would probably mean he's going to be one of the better values, right? Yes. If, because a lot of the concern people have is, well, Mariota is there, short leash, but the weapons are getting better. What did Mariota do that's going to make him jump car? <laughs> like, what has I he know. done? He hasn't. He uh, lost his job true. to Ryan freaking Tannehill. Seriously. <laughs> wow. No, I'm serious. Well, well, so Tannehill's overrated to you. No, I don't think so. I'm just oh, saying so? okay. I'm just saying that a lot of people don't are down on Ryan Tannehill. And if you think that Mariota's going to walk in, waltz in, and all of a sudden be anointed the starter over Derek Carr, yep. no, I don't see it. Okay. Uh, who are you most wary of of this group in terms of the believers that, that, that are backing said player where you say, I, I can't believe you have the confidence you have in this player based on maybe what they've done so far? Sam Darnold. Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke. Drew Locke. Who should you not have big time confidence in? <sighs> Any of them. <laughs> okay. But well, that Drew it Locke, is a trick question. But yes. Drew Locke. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they've already they've already given him the Josh Allen moniker. Well, if Josh Allen can do it, Drew Locke can do it too. And look at all the weapons he's got. He does. He has a lot of weapons. Let's see yep. it. Let's see it. Let's see it. Yeah, he's he's another one. Uh, he's going ahead of this is just I mean unbelievable. The yeah he he's a good one. At least he's going ch- cheaper than some of the other ones that have a lot of. Uh, I mean he's going way ahead of Brady and Roethlisberger and Breeze and uh, he's going right around Jared Goff for goodness sake. Mm. And I did like here's the danger. I don't think people realize that the odds of all of those other quarterbacks what they do this year being better fantasy wise than Drew Locke ever does. Like their his career year is unlikely to be what they do just in a random ho hum. This is what they do in 2020, and I think a lot of people don't really see that as as the scope of outcomes. Um, is there a deep sleeper? Is there a guy that maybe he's a fringe NFL starter right now? Maybe he's someone that has a has a backup role, a la Ryan Tannehill, that you say, hey, that's my that's that's my guy. That's my super flesh stash right there for folks, or beyond Herbert of, of rookies, let's say, or. Not off the top of my head. I mean, I like, okay. I don't know, there's there's no Joe Flacco or Andy Dalton this year that you can get late that you feel comfortable with. There's so many changing places like Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis. and um, uh, is, Jay, is Jalen Hurts, great guy, great, great kid, um, but do you think he's going to be – someone who actually works out and he's a multi-year starter in the NFL? He's going to be great holding a clipboard. <laughs> okay, great great in the uh, quarterback positional room. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. Uh, anything else quarterback-wise before we wrap up here? No, but I do have some final thoughts. Yes, give them to me. Okay. So this week we had a pretty sad day for Fantasy World. Uh, a friend of mine, we met him at the Senior Bowl this year, Dave Cherney. He's at Warrior underscore D. He was a contributor for winning redraft and dynasty draft books, contributor at Fake Pigskin, co-host of Dynasty Football 101 Pod on Sports Crew Radio Network. Great guy. Um, I know that Ron McLeese, his co-host, they've had me on the podcast. They were, they had me scheduled for another one, but then at the last minute, we couldn't do it. And he passed away this week, and it was sad because great guy, young guy. We never know. We never know when it's our time, and I just wanted to raise my Jack Daniels glass. I've got a a little bit, like a quarter of a fifth, and I'm just going to take a nice big gulp to Dave and to Ron because I know that Ron's really torn up over this, and I am too. Uh, Ron and I are going to be doing a tribute show at some point, but Dave, one of a kind, big loss. Here's to you and here's to life. Well said. I just put up my water glass, my fifth of water glass. Um, it, well said. I, when I saw that on Twitter, um, it, it really was one of those, you know, one of our own type yeah, of feel. Yeah. And, and yes, you know, the fantasy dynasty community is is uh, just, you know, it's different than, you know, these other these other factions and other communities that are out there in uh, maybe, you know, employment status or um, or otherwise. But but yeah, it was someone that I remember interacting with a lot on Twitter um, over the years. And you just all of a sudden it just it comes out via 140, 100, 280 uh, characters. You yeah, know, just, you know, Dave passed on. And, and like you said, um, just you know, definitely in my thoughts, and I'm glad you brought that up uh, to close the show because uh, you never know. That's that's the other thing, you know, that whether you're 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, uh, you know, everyone's time comes due, and and Dave's uh, Dave is part of that for us this week. So so Godspeed. Yep. Uh, good to, to Dave. Good guy. And I, good and, guy. And please share, Katie, when you go on that show. Yes, and, I and will. Write, like you mentioned, we got to see uh, got to see Ron at the Senior Bowl. Um, this year. So um, for Katie Flower at FF underscore Skyler399, I am at Chad Parsons NFL. You can find uh, Tim Torch over at patreon.com slash UTH for our premium content there as well. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.